a lot of scripture today. I hope you're not, uh, I hope you're okay with that. I want to go to Luke 2 first. Luke 2. I simply titled this message, Presence Instead of Presence. And you'll get it later if you haven't already. All right. Luke 2, familiar text for the Christmas season. I want to begin in verse 3. And everyone went to his own town to register. But Joseph also went up from, Gal- from the town of Nazareth in the Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went there to register Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to say to you that we sometimes in this modern day think that Mary and Joseph was cruising down I-40 on some camels and it was that moment, "Uh uh-oh, my water broke, I'm going to have a baby. And they wheel into this Holiday Inn and they walk up to the counter and they say, we need a room, we need a room, we need a room. Uh, We're full. Sorry, we're full. They have a light on over there, you might try that spot. And you go there and they say, we're full, we're full up. And I know in your mind you want to say, well, if you had any idea who this baby was, you would make a room available. But I say to you today, that that's not really how it happened. <laughs> they were in a room, gathered with their family. And a time came. And there wasn't room up there. They needed a quiet place. And so underneath the living quarters was what they called an inn. It's where the animals were. And it's where Mary and Joseph went. And where the baby was born. But here's the deal. Too many of us today, mm, we're kind of like the married couple. Cruising down I-40, racing life, doing life, busy. And the time has come for a baby. And we pull in. I need a room. We're all full. Sorry. We're all full. I wondered this morning, your life too full for the king? You see, <laughs> I love Christmas. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm all over it. Give me all the food you got and give me some great football. <clears throat> Good football last night and yesterday, by the way. All right. Give me family. Give me friends. Give me a gorgeous home decorated. Give me a gorgeous church decorated. Give me God's people gathering. Give me the spirit of the Lord. Give me those beautiful songs. Give me those stories about Jesus. He is the reason for the season. Amen. But I'm saddened. Every year that clicks by my ministry, which I'm near 28 now on that, that I think Jesus has been isolated to four Sundays in the month of December and one in April or March, whichever it falls. 
I'm going to present to you today that my Jesus, your Jesus, is more than just for the season. And there must be a room for him in the end of your life, 24-7. He is not an add-on to a time when your water broke and you need Jesus. And if you're waiting for your life to see a moment where your water breaks to add Jesus to your busy schedule, when that time comes, he will be unrecognizable and you won't know where he is. My friend, we're living in a day and time where Jesus is not just the reason for the season. He is the reason for all seasons. There's going to be seasons in your life. They're going to be victorious seasons and they're going to be very low seasons. He wants to be a part of every one of those. I wonder today as you sit here on the eve of the Christmas season, we just started singing about him. As you look back at 16 and you look ahead to 17, how well did he fit this year in your life? Did you make room for him? Did you cut out gaps and and, and, and intentionally put spots where he fits? Or did he just get the leftovers of your schedule that man made for you and that you chased? I'm going to tell you that the king, the Messiah, the Jesus is more than that. He wants more. He deserves more, and you need more in your life. He was born of a baby to an impoverished young couple and given the name Yeshua, meaning Yahweh saves. His name displays the foundational meaning of Christmas. Christmas has become a festival busy with event-filled holiday. But it began in a remote village as a quiet, simple, holy day. I want you to listen to this. The God of the universe chose to become one of us so that each of us could be one with him. I want you to hear that again. The God of the universe chose to become one of us so that we might be one with him. That's Christmas. If you haven't opened that gift yet, that's the one you need to get. It'll change your life for all seasons. For all seasons. Isaiah 7, 14 reveals the prophetic word. I want you to go there. Go back to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 14. Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. The virgin conceived and bare a son. And you should call his name Emmanuel. I want to ask you a question this morning. Probably not as crazy as I am, but you ever had the thought at Christmas? If God, through Isaiah the prophet, said, call him Emmanuel, why did Mary and Joseph call him Jesus? 
You say, well, oh, I hadn't thought about it. Well, first of all, God told Mary and Joseph to call him Jesus. That's, that's enough for me. How about y'all? You ever have that question? I mean, like, what was Gabriel wearing? When did he come? How did he look? What was Mary doing? What was Joseph doing? See, the Bible's an interesting book. It tells you everything you need to know, but not everything you want to know. <laughs> People are always asking me goofy questions in the Bible about the Bible. One asked me about dinosaurs. See, a lot of questions that we have about the Bible are distractions to keep you from what you really want to know about the Bible. And that is Jesus bore your sins on a cross for you. And you don't need to entertain yourself with a bunch of questions that even if they were answered wouldn't change your life. But you need to take care of the answer that if you received it, it would change your life forever. See, there's a lot of questions in the Bible. So why did Isaiah say call him Emmanuel? And Mary and Joseph call him Jesus. Is there a difference? There is. Let's look. Luke 1. Luke 1. I want you to go to verse 31. Luke 1, 31. Luke 1, 31. This is Gabriel talking to Mary. You will be with child... And give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom that will never end. Later, I want you to go back to Matthew's gospel. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream. It says these words. Go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Matthew 1, 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Trust me, I'm telling you, he was afraid. Okay, To take Mary home as your wife because what he, she conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give, his, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God sent an angel to Gabriel. God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary and to Joseph and told them to name the baby Jesus, which means Savior. Scripture tells us that all the events surrounding the conception of Jesus fulfilled the prophetic word of Isaiah. The virgin did conceive and bear a son, but the name Emmanuel was intended to reveal the amazing truth of the omnipotent nature of Jesus. When Jesus was born, Mary held God incarnate in her arms. The creator of the universe stepped away from heaven to be with us on earth and provide salvation to everyone on earth. See, my friend, unless he is God, he's not Jesus either. He is both, my friend. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is Jesus who saves us, who saves us. 
You see, Christmas is more than a baby in a manger, my friend. He is the king in that manger. That one day will part that east sky and will come back and get everyone that bears his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess. I want you to see it. Philippians chapter 2. Go there with me. Philippians chapter 2. Paxson said it this morning. Stole my notes again. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6. Who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Father. No other name under heaven given that man might be saved. My friend, this Christmas season is more than a little baby born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh, my goodness. And the Magi walked those two, those two uh, years to get to that baby. They didn't walk two years to get to a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. They walked two years to get to a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes that bears the name Jesus, but also bears the name Emmanuel, God with us, the King. My friend, this Christmas, may it become more than just a baby. May he become King. May he become Emmanuel. May become God with us. Christmas can quickly become about what we don't have instead of what we've already been given. I wonder if part of Satan's scheme for the holiday is to make Christmas about presents instead of the presence of the king. Hmm. I want, I, want, I want you to get your mind around that just a tad bit. Is the scheme about presence to get our attention away from his presence? I want you to think for me, think with me. You're 12 years old. 12. For some of you, that's a, I'm asking a lot here this morning. Go back. You're 12. You got your house. You know where it is. You see it. You're in your bedroom. It's about 4 a.m. You get up because you think the sun's up. You wake your parents up, convince them the sun's coming up. It's Christmas. They just went to bed. And you run to a tree because Santa Claus came. And you got the gift of your dream. You know what it is? 
12 years old. Remember what it is? Y'all got it? How many people remember? 12 years old. I remember my present. Carter, Jeremy, Chris, you still got it today? Do you have it today? Who's got that 12-year-old gift today? When you were 12, who's got your gift today? <laughs> Chris, Chris, you got it, buddy? Chris got it. Is it a gun, Chris? See? Because, <laughs> see, he's a hunter, and hunters never let their guns get old, baby. Guns don't get old, they get better, amen? Guns are like a good wine, all right? But listen to me. Very few of us, very few of us, outside of Chris, all right, remembers the gift at 12, still has it today and cherishes it. What I'm trying to say is, what we deem as important and what we chase so hard, and what we protect on a list, engage whether the 25th of December was a good day or a bad day, was by a gift. Can I just tell you that that gift on the 25th won't help much on the other 364 unless it's really the gift. My friends, it is more about the presence of the king than it is about the presence. If you can teach and model one thing, teach that and model that. Hey, I love gifts. I love them. My sweet, beautiful daughter is terrific with shopping. Her heart is in it. Every present is precious, has a meaning beyond its gift. She wraps it personally, has a spot for it under the tree, and protects it with her life. And I love every bit of it. But I know this about my sweet girl. The gift that lives inside of her is more important than any gift under that tree. And she'll never forget it. Because when you're 12... And life hurts, that gift won't help. When Chris is crying himself to sleep at 12, he's probably not hugging the gun. Amen? You shouldn't anyway, right? <laughs> Just in case you didn't empty the chamber. All right? But what you do get hugged by when you're 12 and you cry is the king born in a manger. And Jesus, God with us. He'll hug you. Christians spend every moment of every day filled with the presence of Christ. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to look at Ephesians. Go to Ephesians with me. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're almost done. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Beautiful Christmas story right here. And you also mm, were included where? In 
Christ. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That is who you are. The gift gave you that. There's nothing to want that is better than what we already have. We are co-heirs with Jesus, who is the heir of all things. Every room you enter this holiday season is an opportunity to give the gift of God's presence. You have the words to speak. You have the love to offer. You have his truth to share. You have Jesus, and he is the heir of all things. The single most important gift you can give this holiday season is God's presence. I do a crazy thing in the winter and especially around the holiday season. I go outside on an extremely cold, clear winter night. And I walk to the end of my driveway and I stand and I look up. And I want you to know something. This world can get big. This world can get mean. And people can hurt you. But the presence of God will always be bigger than this world. Mm. His words will never hurt you. Never. And when you're standing there, gazing up, at the stars you can see, know that there are that many or more you can't see. You will get very small, and he will get very big. And you will understand that the greatest, greatest, greatest gift came in the form of a baby in a manger. Grew to be Jesus on a cross. Resurrected to be the king. It's coming again and left a deposit inside of you when you got saved. The promised Holy Spirit, God with us, that speaks to you every day. And on that cold, clear winter night, you will feel a warmth inside of you that this world can not and never will be able to give you. And it is a hug and a warmth of the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, that says, I got you. I live in you. God with us. My friends, this holiday season, if you could give yourself one gift, give yourself this gift. The presence of the Spirit of God 
not only living in you, but walking with you. Fall in love with the presence of God this holiday season. And the presence of the season will fade. They'll still be special. But trust me, you'll forget them. They'll grow old. And one day you'll buy somebody else's Christmas at a garage sale. But there's no way that you will ever put painter's tape on Jesus and stick him at a garage sale. He will be yours. He will be Emmanuel, God with me. And he will become the Holy Spirit living inside of you, giving you power. And when you walk out in this world that you sometimes don't understand and you sometimes never get, he will be there to light the way, to hug you, to hold you, to speak to you, to be so personal to you like you were there that cold night when he was born. Emmanuel, God with us. As we come to a time of invitation, we come here each time. As the praise team comes, I simply want you to ask yourself this simple question. What did the Holy Spirit say to me this morning? We come, we worship, we come and we preach the word, and we come and we'll pray over you. This morning, I invite you. I don't know where you're at today. But if you need prayer, we've assembled a mighty team to pray over you. If you need to meet the one called Jesus that came as a baby, this holiday season, be born again, be changed, and come this morning. If you just want to come and say, this Christmas, I don't want to get wrapped up in all this stuff. It's going to be there, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, but I don't want to lose perspective of the presence of God in my life. You come this morning. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. If you need to come, you come this morning. Father, this morning, from the very beginning, you've assembled us. We walked in these doors. Some of us, not real sure why we walked in, may not be still sure why we walked in right now. But God, none of us are here on accident. We're here by purpose and for a purpose. And God, this morning, you have spoken through worship, through your word. God, we are basking in the presence of the Lord. You're calling us to greater things. God, may we fall in love. Fall in love today with the presence of the Lord. God, during this invitation time, may we respond out of obedience to you. If we need salvation, we come. We need prayer. Pride don't keep us. Let us come and ask, and people will agree. If you just need to come to the altar, lead us there too, Father. But may we be obedient to you in Christ's name.